0: We're just going to go through these questions. We've only seen them very briefly. We've not discussed these ahead of time. And so this might be awesome or it might be a disaster. We'll see. But yeah, yeah.
1: who knows who's going to say what.
0: Welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Drew and Tim, two pastors discussing practical details about life, leadership, parenting, and being more centered around Jesus first. The goal of this show is to help you keep your eyes on Jesus through the busyness of life and clutter of your schedules. Now, join us for the conversation. Well, welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Drew and Tim. This is Tim. Welcome. And Drew's here over here
1: in a dark hey, corner. What's up, Drew? In the dark corner. <laughs> <laughs> You're watching video. He's got a
0: little lighting struggles today. You're at your new lighting light. struggles. Soon to be studio, right?
1: Yeah. So this is my, technically this is uh, going to be um, my new office and there's literally nothing in it, but a book bag and a broom. (laughs) And then this, right. And so, right. You got to start somewhere. So we're, uh, we're working on that this week. Our main focus is we have uh, over 2,000 square feet of new space that's dedicated to kids' ministry. Tonight, we're having a huge work night, getting everything you know just buttoned up and ready to go to welcome people on Sunday. And that's really, really exciting. So God is doing just awesome, amazing things that you know I don't deserve, we don't deserve, and we're just trying to keep up. So it's really cool. What's new with you, man?
0: That's exciting. Well, we just got away for a little two-night getaway with me and my wife, and so we have a... Timeshare close by, which is kind of away but not too far away, kind of a staycation thing. So we were able to yeah have a nice dinner date, see a movie, and just spend some time away with the kids. An awesome sister-in-law that watched them for us, and so nice. got, Like our last episode said, take, date your spouse whenever you can. When they when they do come <laughs> up, it's uh, important to take advantage of it and enjoy it. And uh, it was actually funny with our timeshare because when we were going on our honeymoon, we knew we wanted to go to Hawaii. And if okay. you've ever been to a timeshare presentation, you know how crazy it is. And so we, they were offering a, a four night stay away in Hawaii and we're like, sweet, well, take advantage of that. And so we went yep. for the presentation and basically they just, to cut the story short, they basically came back with an offer after an offer after offer, didn't take no for an answer until finally we said, okay, fine, but it's still too much, right? Like, we're, right. we're brand new newlyweds. We just want the four night right. stay in Hawaii. And so at the very last minute, you know, they started with a four week package, came down to a one week package for your annual timeshare. And then they said, okay, we'll, we'll throw in a uh, plane tickets. And so we're wow. like, Wow. all right, sold. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's amazing. We had a great honeymoon
0: and now we have a timeshare for some points we can use once in a while. And it's funny when you go to like the presentations, they always tell you like, oh, you can't be happy off of just one week of vacation a year. Like, how can you how can you live like that is basically the (laughs) message. And it's like, yeah, we're doing good. We don't really want to upgrade, you know, and my wife maybe promise her to never go back to any more of those like upgrade meetings because they always offer you more stuff, you know, Uh
1: always. Yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm good at saying no. Now when we check in, they're like, Oh, do you want to do a little presentation meeting? Kind of a check-in it's (laughs) no pressure. It, honestly it's no pressure we've got a lot of feedback on how much pressure there is and i'm like no i'm good i i regretted the last time i said yes to this and they're like oh well it's totally different now and i'm thinking like if i can't even get out of the lobby without you pressuring me how are you going to guarantee yeah. this presentation is not full of pressure so anyway
1: yeah i'm all set.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love it
1: oh so love we it. uh good.
0: we we ranked high in the charts for in poland I saw that, right? Yeah, pretty exciting. So if you're listening from Poland, thank you, and yeah, special uh, shout out right into the show. Let us know who you are. We'd love yeah, to and where you're yourself. like, and
1: where in Poland, right? Like, have you have you been there? Have you been to Poland? No, I've never been there. But you know, I'd love to know if I was to come. Yeah, like, what what should I do, and where should I visit? What what are the what are the sites? You know, so yeah, that's if pretty awesome. Sponsor Eyes
0: on Jesus live in Poland. They can.
1: I would bring us
0: out there. We can rent out a stadium, you know, I'd be down easy stuff.
1: (laughs) A little Q and a live Q and a, I'm in. That sounds great.
0: (laughs) Well, wherever you're watching from, thank you for your support. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for commenting in the Facebook community group. We got a lot of questions from you guys, a lot of comments, and that's really what we're going to do today. We're going to call it like a lightning round episode. And instead of taking a whole episode over one question, we're just going to go through these questions we've only seen them very briefly we've not discussed yep. these ahead of time and so this might be awesome or it might be a disaster we'll see but yeah
1: who knows who's going to say what this could be right. really awesome yeah. yeah
0: so but you're along for the ride too and so we'll we'll play this by ear and like i said we're just we're just talking these are not like this is gospel truth but this is our opinions on these topics yeah. and so we're going to we're going to hit them you ready
1: let's do it i'm pumped
0: all right first question we got is the faith's community response and ministry to those with mental illness, and great yeah. question
1: by the way, for the comment. Thanks. Uh, do we know who sent that comment?
0: Didn't write names on these, so
1: okay, all good. Yeah, whoever yeah. put that comment, great. Like, yeah. great question. Thanks so much
0: for mental illness. When we talk about that, I think the church's response is it's a very tough subject. And without being a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a counselor, some pastors dabble in these. Uh, areas where they're not qualified. Uh, and so you have to be very careful as a faith community of dismissing somebody because they're dealing with something that you have never dealt with, whether it's split personality, whether it's yep. d- clinical depression. Uh, there's also the movement where you dismiss those things and tell them just believe God, you know, just have enough yeah. faith. Uh, and so you, it's really tricky waters where, well, maybe they need more Christian, maybe they need some Christian counseling, maybe they need some inner healing, maybe ne- they right. need actual deliverance. There's, there's a demonic yeah. issue to some of these things, not all of them. And so, you really have to take it case by case and be very sensitive to the subject and get them the help that they need. It, it's not right. going to be enough just to come to church on Sunday and leave for six days that are a mess, and then, I'll oh, just come back Sunday, everything will be okay. No, you have to invest in programs that will take them to the next level in healing and recovery. And then just find resources where you can actually send them to a Christian counselor or a a psychologist, whatever they need to deal with these things. Because I've never dealt with many of these things on a clinical level, but at the same time, if someone is intensely dealing with these things, I need to be able to have empathy and know where to resource them and not just give a faith response of of just believe, because that's not going to help in those moments. Now, I will say that there are some things that get mislabeled, that get misdiagnosed. Uh, There is uh, addiction things uh, where someone's dealing with something and there is a root cause at play. And so, it manifests itself in other ways. And so, dealing with the sin or the the root problem if it's an addiction like those are things that the church can help with through like i said inner healing deliverance and and those things are often i will say not maybe top of mind especially in seeker sensitive churches where yeah. there may not be a program where people can get plugged in and so they they seek help from maybe a, a secular counselor or a psychiatrist and without the christian perspective of yeah god can heal you Dive into him, and then we can help you along the way from a medical perspective as well. and so it's a it's a nuanced approach. It's not one right answer for everybody, but I think the church does have to be aware of the fact that not everything is just you know paint with a broad brush and uh, kind of definitely don't sweep it under the rug,
1: yeah, you know, like anything i i love I love that we kind of have this trend in our conversations that we get back to learning about the person in their specific situation, yeah. Because you can't brush with broad strokes. You're right. Like you can't just put blanket statements out there. And so we can't be in a position where we just go, oh, I've seen this before and write someone off or, oh, I've seen this before. So, you know, they must fit in this box and I'll just do what I did with the last. You can't you can't do that. I I, I do think in my experience, the toughest part of this and in, in, in just with me, the toughest part is when behavior is helped and then the negative behavior repeated over and over and over and Mm. over. And so, this is where it gets so difficult because then you go, well, how long do I keep pursuing? How long do I keep holding on? How long do I keep empathizing, giving second, third, fourth chances, trying to help, trying to get them to the next step if they can't take ownership in themselves? And so that's where you really have to pray and have some discernment around, am I enabling? Or is there a point where I say, you know what? I love this person. Yeah. And I'm going to pray for this person, but I can no longer take responsibility for their actions. And that's, and that's the toughest thing. That's, that's the toughest thing with yeah. mental illness. That's the toughest thing with people that disagree with you and, you know, and on something like it, it always seems to be like so difficult to discern when that moment is to like, kind of cut ties a little bit. Yeah. So like you said, you, you just, every Every person's different. Every situation's different. What they've come out of, what they've experienced, and and where they're where they're headed. It's all unique. It's all um, something that you've got to walk through. I think the important thing though is is that walking through uh, the situation and the journey with that person. Yeah, that's what exactly. we've been called to do as a church.
0: Yeah, so. love that. All right, next question. This one's an interesting one. How are manners and etiquette? A lost art manners reflect the character of Jesus and the respect for we have for each other manners and etiquette. How does that play into
1: Christian? Yeah, lifestyle? I I like this question. It, it, and and for anybody who's like, oh, it doesn't play in or something like that. Uh, I, I'll just say this. I was around this guy I'd never met before last night, literally last night. So I love that this question's on here and met him for the first time the the most just the most well-mannered man you've ever met mm-hmm. and you know yes sir no sir even even like to me he, he's got like you know 15 years on me so uh so servant-minded servant heart just incredible doesn't interrupt you know doesn't flippantly say things doesn't you know just all around you could just tell man being in this guy's even area is just like incredible. Yeah. And then you find out his background and you find out like how he's a, such a devoted Christian and where he goes to church and, you know, and all this, and then his language, you know, just such good language. So positive, so encouraging all this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's gotta matter because I I left feeling a certain kind of way. And, (laughs) and, you know, we've talked about this before, Regardless of your relationship with someone, people aren't always going to remember your name. People aren't always going to remember what you do and details about you, but they're always going to remember how, how you made them feel. Yep. And manners have a lot to do with that. Respect and honor has a lot to do with that. So I, I think if we are to say, hey, we are Christians, we are setting the tone. Well, there, there are some things implied with that, like controlling our tongue. Yeah. There's some things implied with that when it comes to how we serve our spouse, how we serve our family, how we serve others in the community. And and when we're out in public, when we're around, we should be about it. We should be about our father's business right, at all yeah. times. So I think it goes hand in hand and is probably something that's pushed to the side because it's hard to kind of stay true to that for a long period of time and not just slip up every once in a while and cussings become so casual and so yeah. mundane and everybody just kind of does it now, even pastors and stuff like this. And so I, I think from a manner standpoint, it, it's, it's hand in hand with with honor and respect. Yeah. Yeah, totally. When I first read that I was thinking, well, manners are
0: dependent a lot upon the culture, upon who you're with, upon the situation. And so you're gonna Act differently when you're with your close friends versus hopefully on Sunday morning if you're at church. And so it was a really hard one for me to kind of grasp at first when I was thinking about this. But then I started thinking about the fruit of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And when I think about most of those characteristics, those have a lot to do with manners. If you're kind towards other people, if you have self-control. If you just want to say whatever comes to mind and and you have self-control and you don't tell someone how you really feel, Uh, a lot of that has to do with how we present ourselves as ambassadors of God to other people to be able to read the room and read the situation and to know, you know, we're not just, we're not talking table manners here and picking up the right fork. I mean, we're talking, I think the lost art of our culture that just says what it feels Whenever you feel, and that's what I try to teach my kids, you know, just don't, uh, my, actually, my dad would always say, you know, think before you speak, right? Just think before you speak. He would say it over and over. Think before you speak. And too often we just speak. And then we think that, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And now it's too late because once you speak those words, you can't put them back in your mouth. You can only do damage, damage control (laughs) after the fact, right? And so, I think there is a lot to this with manners and etiquette, and I do appreciate the question too, because culture can't just dictate how we act as Christians. If culture goes the way it goes and it says, I don't know, to do whatever, you know, but it's not along the lines of the fruit of the Spirit, then no, don't bow to culture, you know, be led by the Spirit and allow the Spirit of God within you to dictate how Others see you, um so anyway, that's my thoughts on it.
1: yeah, I, that's great. I love that. Great question. The next question i talked to you about this i I think this is going to be a good discussion. What do you do when you feel disillusioned
0: mm.
1: and And so let's define it you you included the de- the definition. I think that's important. So what do you do when you feel disillusioned? Uh, the definition is having lost one's ideals, illusions, or false ideas about someone. Or something mm. disenchanted, yeah, it it's was really a, good
0: it was just that 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 was all the question that came in. so you know there's a lot more to it, I'm sure. what do you feel disillusioned about? Is it about life in general? is it about the church? is it about marriage? is it about parenting are you disillusioned about your job? I mean, there's many buckets that could fall into, but what yeah, I liked many. about this definition is that it's not necessarily a bad thing to be disillusioned I instantly took it as a negative thing but when you read the definition it says you lost your false idea about someone or something so the idea you had about something was false to begin with and now you lost that because you faced right. reality So it could be a good thing where you were you thought your job was going to be something and then you're disillusioned because you realized it's a different thing now at that point right. when you when you face that disillusionment, I guess you could call it coming to grips with reality because what you thought was one thing, you know, I thought marriage was going to be honeymoon phase every week, you know, and after week two, you realize it's not that, not, not that way. Right. And so right, exactly. disillusioned on marriage. does that mean you give up on marriage? No, it just, you readjust your perspective in order to match reality. Now, right. reality is a tough pill to swallow because there's a lot of things in life we don't want to deal with. And so being disillusioned in a lot of ways makes it Easier to be in, you know, maybe a not La land, but maybe just in a in an alternate sense of, oh, I wish it could be like this, right? Well, if you just keep right. wishing something will be a way that it's never going to be, like that's the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing, hoping a different result. Right. And so if you do the same thing you always have done, you're expecting different results, I think that becomes a problem with this. Now, I would say that. This also falls under where people get, uh, start to deconstruct their faith. You know, I'm I'm disillusioned on Christianity. So I'm deconstructing because it wasn't what I thought it would be. God wasn't there for me when I was sick. God wasn't there for me when I lost my loved one. So I'm disillusioned on religion. And so I deconstruct down to the bare minimums, oftentimes where nothing's left. And a lot of times deconstructionism turns into nihilism where there's no point in anything, nothing matters. It's all going to the dirt. So that's my thoughts on the fact that disillusionment is not necessarily a bad thing if it brings you along to reality, but also can be a bad thing if it just brings you down a path that you start to be depressed, right?
1: Yeah. And I love the examples of going both directions and the work example and things like that. I think like anything, if you're ever in a moment. And maybe that's, you know, for our listeners, maybe that's where you are right now. Like, maybe you're at a a point where you're just like, I don't really know what's going on in my life, or I don't really know how to think about this or that. I watched this. I don't know what that means. And we have a lot of that in our society right now. My encouragement would be like getting into scripture. Yeah. When, whenever you're at a point where you're like, I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's left. I, I can't figure this out. You got to get in scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's not like, a, oh, I'll get in scripture. I'll read seven pages and I'll have the answer. So yeah. It's not like that. It's not transactional. Yeah. But what I do believe is that through time and through dedication and through the discipline of being in scripture and being in the word of God, uh, that God will will speak to you and God will reveal himself and God will either answer the question that you're trying to answer or will give you a new question with a better perspective that makes your question look meaningless at that point. There you point. go. And so um, that's been my experience. So that's what I would encourage you to do. If you're feeling disillusioned, if you're feeling like you, you're um, just in a position where you really have to get some things answered, you, you got to get in the word of God and you've yeah. got to pray and you've got to really value that relationship. And what's tough about that is that means having the humility to surrender and to say, I'm not going to worry about how I would answer this. I'm going to find out how God would answer this. That's really key. Because I I know in, in my experience in talking with people from time to time, I find out that someone is disillusioned and really needing to find the truth out about something, but they already have an idea of what they want the answer to be. And yeah. so now it's less about finding the truth, and it's more about finding something that will make their truth truth. validation, right? Yeah. right, exactly. And so it just becomes really, really ugly at that point. So we want to start with scripture. We want to start with prayer. And that way we can make sure we have the right questions and the right answers to the right questions.
0: That's good. And the good thing about the Bible is that you won't instantly feel better about your situation, but it will give you the proper perspective on your situation. Because when you yes. read stories about Job and King David and betrayal throughout the Bible and sin throughout the Bible and the evilness of the world and the sinful, sinful world we're in, it it allows you to get perspective. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I have been living on this unattainable goal that I've had for my life, Mm -hmm. you know, that isn't aligned with what God has for me, that maybe there, I just have to endure this trial, endure this season of life, if you will, where when I was 15 and going off to college, I thought I was going to have this amazing job and this amazing blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this be able to travel every other week. And it's like we've right. created this this idea for ourselves that life has to look a certain way, especially right. when you look at other people on social media. And then you start to be disillusioned. Oh, this they're they're always happy. They're always on date nights. They're always doing this. And so I'm disillusioned with my life because I don't get to have fill in the blank. And yep. the problem with that is that back to social media, we did a whole episode on it, is that oh, it yeah. is it's not real. It's smoke and mirrors. It is a window into the best part of people's lives. And so if you start to look at the best of someone's life and want to model it for your entire life, then you have a problem because nobody's life is completely 100% wonderful every single second. And, And so it's easy to be disillusioned, especially in the culture today, when you can look at all these other options and just wonder, do I have the right spouse? Do I have the right job? Oh, yeah. Am I even a Christian because I see 5,000 other religions out there, right? And so, again, grounded in scripture is the only way to go, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Great question. Next question. And this I remember was from my sister, so shout out to Terry. (laughs) your? This is a two-part question. So, who's your favorite person in the Bible in general or to preach about other than Jesus? So,
1: we'll start with that. So, I don't know that this is a very like dramatic answer. My favorite my favorite person to talk about is David because there are just so many perspectives in his in his stories. Yeah. I grew up my entire life with David and Goliath, and I was like, Yeah, I know how this story goes. And then you read it for yourself and you're like, Yeah, Sunday school was (laughs) was was really messing me up on this story. It was a lot, it was a lot more exciting. And had a lot more angles to it, so I I love preaching about David. I love studying David. I will say this: my favorite, though, like it's like a one a one b kind of thing. It's like Jordan Lebron. I I like Nehemiah. I I love how that guy just builds this wall and has so much resistance and so many threats, and he's just like still gonna build the wall, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I just. I love that attitude and I guess maybe that's a recurring theme for me. Like David had that attitude too. Like they both yeah. had this unbelievable confidence in God, this unbelievable like relentless faith in God and and that's what propelled them forward and they didn't really care if they got killed along the way. Like they just did what they knew they were supposed to do and yeah. so I, I love I love David, I love Nehemiah, those are yeah, those are top choices for me, for sure.
0: Awesome. What about you? For me, I I think it's more of a recent thing is studying the life of Gideon. I love talking about him because, and we talked about him at last year's men's retreat with our church and, you know, above and beyond just the the fleece story and the 300 men, there's so much nuance in his life of how he was selected. I, I love that part of his identity being that, God called him a mighty warrior before he was ever won a battle for him. He said, greetings, mighty warrior. And he's like, are you talking to the right guy? I'm from the lowest of the lowest tribe. I'm trying to hide the oppressors in the land and you're, you're calling me a mighty warrior. And so God spoke identity into him before he ever won a battle. And then his life was the consecration that before he went to battle, he had to destroy his father's idols, which led resistance in the town. And then yeah then then obviously the battle but then also his legacy was was not that great he created an idol out of an ephod that he was wearing that he got from his battle it, it became a town idol the very thing that he was supposed to destroy became something that was later right. a, a a part of his legacy where he went back to those idols and so it's a cautionary tale uh you know his one of his sons killed, I forget how many of his other sons, like 80 or 70 other sons. So there's a lot to that story. And I wrote about it too, in a men's devotional that I collaborated on. Uh, You can get that as well through my website, but I I love his story. I love King David too. We're actually doing men's retreat this year on King David. So there's a lot to him as well. There's a lot.
1: Yes. Same
0: thing with like his identity in the fields, his, uh, the idolatry that came into his life, Mm -hmm. uh, the sin, and then the legacy that he left as well. So a lot of cool stuff with that, and then the second part of this question is your favorite book of the Bible. This one's tough. This one's really tough for me. Uh, I think the one I would tell people to read first is the Book of John. I love the Book of yep. John as well, John. Uh, but I think sure. I think you can't go wrong with Romans. <laughs> there's just there's so much depth that you could study
1: for forever in Romans. So I, I'd say yep. John or Romans for me. So I'm with you. As soon as someone's like, hey, I'm gonna open the Bible, where do I start? I'm like, have you met John? Let's (laughs) go, John. So big on that. My I'm a Proverbs guy. I don't know if that's because it's kind of geared, I wouldn't say it's necessarily geared towards leadership, but I feel like you could grab any verse out of Proverbs Mm -hmm. and build like a huge leadership talk on it, just on one verse. So big fan of proverbs that's one of those books that's kind of my go to if i if i only have like a few minutes so if i'm if i'm in my like big time uh, quiet time with god and i'm going to be like 30 minutes an hour or something like that i don't usually touch proverbs but if i'm like man i got 10 minutes here let me just you know kind of kind of read through so i i usually flip to proverbs and you can kind of start anywhere and boom you know you've yeah. got great great stuff. So yeah, I uh, I love that. John, Proverbs, Romans, all good choices for sure.
0: All right. Next question. Why are some athletes hiding their Christianity? Why are they not proud of it? So this
1: one's really interesting because like, is it that they're not proud of it? Or is it just that they don't think that this is the platform or the right time? Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Right. Maybe I, I really, I really don't know. And then, you know, and then there's the other side of it where you've got people that say things and then when they backtrack, they're called like cowards, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're, they're, they were, they were too vocal. Right. Yeah. So now you've got this balance of, of, of things. We also have to remember if someone plays for Major League Baseball, if someone plays for the NFL, if someone plays for the NBA, like they are hired. And working for that organization. They are property of that organization. So Jimmy Butler plays for the Miami Heat and has his own Instagram, and that's great. But he is a product of the NBA in everything he does. That's why John Morant... When he puts a gun out on his Instagram video, gets suspended eight games. And that's why when he does it again, he's under review for a bigger suspension. Not because he did something that like legally was against like the rules. It's because he is a product of the NBA. So hmm. there's probably some of that. I've seen athletes do it well. Yeah, you know, and and figure out a way to do it. I've seen actors do it well. Who who's the actor on like the Kids Choice Awards or Chris MTV Pratt. Awards? It was Chris Pratt, right? Yeah. he got. I was just like, thinking God. of him too. Yeah. There you go. He's like God is real, and mm-hmm. and he was like he was talking to like children, and I'm like, yeah. yes, this is exactly what we want. But he also didn't go so over the top. Yeah, that that, you know, Hollywood would cut him off or, you know, people would cut him off or write him off, which is a real thing that happens. Mm -hmm. So there's probably this tension and balance of I'm a Christian and I'm sharing it and I want to share it, but I only get to a certain extent. So I I, want to lead with that from an empathy standpoint, because we also, you know, we have to understand that we've never been in their shoes yeah yeah you know, i've never i've never played in the nfl so they don't let five foot seven people do that <laughs> so <laughs> so uh so for me I, I try to believe the best in it however I, I do wish more athletes would go a little deeper than i just want to thank god right. and i also wish that athletes would go deeper in their struggles and not right. just their victories because just usually, when they're holding the trophy yeah not just when they're holding the trophy, right? I think you mentioned this a couple episodes ago, like you, you the, we get people that win the Super Bowl, and it's like, oh, first and foremost, I just want to thank God, and it's like, well, that's just become kind of the norm, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if you mean it. And I don't even know when you say God, like what that means to you. yeah, so i i really I really wish they would be more outspoken about it, but I'm sure that there is like tension in that balance as well,
0: yeah. I, I thought a lot of the same things. First of all, say Jesus, not God, and let us know who yeah. you're talking about. And then uh, we, don't, we don't know the the challenges. Absolutely. You know, we don't know the, I want to keep my job. I want to keep this platform, but also I could lose the platform overnight if I tweet the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, especially in Hollywood. And my goodness, like you just, they're always, I, I'm surprised Chris Pratt is still getting deals, honestly, because something right. like that, he, that's so so blatant at a kid's choice award, like good on him for doing that. But also like, man, you are playing with some fire in Hollywood where they're just, they could can you at any moment. And so yeah, it's really tough because there's also people like Denzel Washington, who we now know more about his, his faith, but for, for years was not spoken about it, just did his work. But what is he doing behind the scenes? Like, that's another question. We don't know what he's, is he, is he preaching to, you know, preaching the word to people that are struggling other actors that are struggling or, or a director right. or behind the set or behind these, these closed locker rooms, like they they could be sharing their faith. Right. But it becomes very tough when it's in public. Now here's the other part of this is that athletes may not be sharing it. Like we think they should. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you, Boom. what are you doing for your faith? Tell Christian? Them, Tim.
1: Tell what them. are you
0: doing for your faith? Christian? Because Tell you, should not be hiding your faith at your job with your friends, right? Yeah. If people don't know you're a Christian, what are you? What are you ashamed of, right? Why are you not proud to share that? It's easier for us to look at these these multi million dollar people and say whatever we're going to say.
1: What about oh if I had that platform, I would be I would totally do it's like, man, you don't know. What about the
0: platform you have? Everyone has some
1: kind of platform. Everybody does. What are you
0: doing with it? Like, let's just get real here. You know, like it's not enough to come to church one hour a week and then the rest of the time people don't know you're a Christian.
1: Yeah, and everybody's so quick to just invite you to church instead of telling you about Jesus. Yeah. That's what I that's what I love. I love When someone opens themselves up for a conversation about Jesus and they go, well, you should come hear my pastor talk about Jesus. You should come to church. I mean, look, great, great job inviting people to church, but that's not the goal. Mm -hmm. Like the goal is not that you bring people to church and I tell them about Jesus. The goal is that I have equipped you well enough to tell them about Jesus yourself. And Mm -hmm. then in that come be in community at this church. Yeah. You know, and we've gotten that really backwards where the goal is just to like fill up the church, just fill it up, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. And it's like, how about, you know, how about we try to save a soul? Mm. If they come to church, great. If they go to any church, great but how about we save a soul? Because if you save that soul, then their family that's connected to them might get saved. Their community and their neighbors that are uh, uh, connected to them might get saved. So yeah. what what's more beneficial that they come to church and go, yeah, I really liked it. Or that you tell them about Jesus right then and there. Yeah. So I, I, great perspective. I love that you said that. What are you doing? I feel like we could drop the mic in the podcast and tell everybody to just go be you know, just go evangelize yeah. for Christ. Turn this yeah, off. Go like, tell someone about Jesus right now. Right. right. <laughs> right.
0: Absolutely. We, that
1: was so good.
0: We could do a uh, whole, we could. We should do an episode on evangelism. There's a lot to that. So I'm in.
1: All right. I'm next. Yeah, How yeah, get, let me read this. One. Go for it. I want to read this one. How do you get more people involved in areas of ministry? How do you get more? So we're talking Every specifically here. Struggle. <laughs> yep. So we're, we're talking specifically to Christians christians we're talking specifically to uh people that that might be either serving at a high level at their church or working at a church so i'll let you i'll let you start oof thanks i'm just kidding you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) this one came from my uh
0: my mother-in-law tammy so hey hey Thanks, thanks for the question So anyway, I would say this, like I said, this is an area of struggle for every church because you never quote have enough volunteers. Sure. Now it's a whole other topic to say what do you do with the volunteers you have? How do you engage them? How do you make sure they want to serve Uh uh, instead of just saying you need to serve because we we have a need, right? I was listening to Brady Shearer, who has a great podcast for uh, churches to get you know social media stuff. Anyway, he said you know don't just don't ever say like we need 5 people in the kids ministry. Don't ever
1: say no, that. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's the worst. Say
0: we have an amazing kids ministry. We have volunteers that love to serve our kids. They teach godly lessons every single Sunday. If God has blessed you with a ministry with a gifting to be able to pour into the next generation, you can use that gifting freely here at our kids program something like that right like just make it make it so much more about the gifting about sure talk about the need but don't just say we need these seats filled for whatever reason right so you have to tie in whether you're serving coffee whether you're at the door whether you're an usher whatever you're doing is making a kingdom impact because it's not just about coming and and Filling off the check mark that, okay, I have enough right. people now, but actually using those people as an army to, well, like we said with evangelism, those people that do enter the church building, are they feeling greeted? Are they feeling connected? Do they know where to go after they make that salvation choice and following Christ? Can you get them plugged in and discipled? And so, to get people involved in areas of ministry, I think you have to make people aware, first of all, that they are gifted by God, that they have giftings, because many times people don't feel that they have anything to offer, and that's just a lie. So, once you break, and you might have to do a sermon series on this, you might have to talk to people one-on-one, you have to connect with people that they have something to offer, and then you start giving them ways where they can offer it.
1: Yeah, I think also what you mentioned the op- you're speaking to the opportunity okay so what gets lost is yes there's a need and and you need people and the church needs people and sure but but it's really the opportunity because what we believe is that when you serve that that god will do great things through you that that god will equip you and and move through you and work through you to impact others that is a great Responsibility, but that's also a really great thing to see God do. It builds your confidence, it builds your faith, and um, it it honestly strengthens you in community with the people around you that you're serving with. It's a very biblical thing. Yeah. So yeah, we we need you, sure. Like we have a need, but there's an opportunity in this. And you know, my church, we just got uh, two thousand square feet of kids space. What good is gaining? Three more classrooms for our kids if there's no one there to teach the kids. yeah, right? So we have an opportunity for you and, and and this is this is what it is, right? So God has called us to more space. He's He's expanded our territory. Who's going to walk into it? God has opened a door. who's going to walk through the door? And if you're a leader and you're trying to get, Volunteers, you're trying to bring people in, you're trying to inspire, not push, but inspire people to serve. You have to explain why. Yeah. You have to explain why. Why are we doing this? So it's not task driven. You're not just going, hey, put that chair there. Hey, put the coffee over there. Hey, hold that door. Hey, no, no, no. Why? Why do we? Well, you know what? When people come through the door, We want them to have the best experience possible. And we want to make sure that everything is really clear on where to go and what their options are. That being said, we always try to have this chair put here, or we always try to have the coffee put here, or we always try to have the t-shirts hung here. Like there's a why behind it. And it always takes longer to think through the why and explain the why. But if you're a good leader, you have to take the extra time. When someone comes to you with a problem or an excuse or a reason that they can't, you can't just say, "Well, you need to do this or what." It's taking the time to explain why. This is a biblical thing. We think you're going to get way more out of it than we are. Yeah. So, it you know, do I do I need people to volunteer yeah. Do I think God can do it without you? Well, I know He can. I just don't want you to miss the blessing. Mm, there it is. I don't want I don't want you to miss the opportunity. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like, how do I call people into this? Maybe you should start by explaining the blessing and the opportunity that that you've seen in your own life yeah. and that you want them to step into that too. And then if you're on the fence about serving at a church, And you're just like, "Ah, I don't know. I don't know if it's me. I don't know. Like, let me be that voice to tell you you need to go serve. (laughs) Whatever church, whatever capacity, you need to go serve. You need to surrender that part because you will gain so much. From it, you will be the hands and feet of Christ. And that is what we are called to do. So even if you think it's not a big deal, all I do is open a door, all I do is clean up trash, all I do is do this, it is a huge, huge deal. And you are displaying for generations to come the culture of how we do church, the culture of how we serve people, and ultimately what the gospel looks like Mm. organization to organization. Yeah.
0: The last thing I'll say on this is that the best way to get people involved in ministry is a one on one. By a leader or a pastor, yeah. because an email, a church bulletin, an <laughs> oh, announcement, gosh. a social media post, all of those have very low return rate.
1: Well, yeah, uh, so and, it's just so general; it's terrible. Yeah. personal is powerful.
0: Personal is powerful. If you say to somebody, "Hey, I've seen, uh, 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 I've seen you come every week, and I've I've seen this gifting in you." I would love it if you just take one Sunday a month and serve in the kids' ministry. Like that, that will go so far.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: Okay. One more more here. This one, this one is, is tough. So we'll fast, but not too fast. So, okay. How do you reconcile loving the sinner but hating the sin? For example, a friend who is homosexual and has been hurt from a religion. How do you balance explaining that he is loved without endorsing the sin? And how do I invite him to share in the gospel?
1: I'll go. I'm ready. Go. Because I've been asked this question uh, 45 times in the last 45 days. All right. It's just, this is on everybody's mind. Every Christian out there has a friend that you don't think is living the way they need to, even though there's a really good chance that if we looked at your life, you're not either. But let's not get into that. Let's talk about the question. And, and what we get into is, well, how do I, how do I help them? Because I love them and they're my friend and I want to see them do good things and I want to encourage them. and I still want to hang out with them, mm-hmm. but the way they're doing life, I don't want to take responsibility for. So I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, there is a, a gentleman that I work out at the gym with from time to time. Uh, he is, I would say he's a friend of mine and he could not be any further from my beliefs. Like he is just completely 180 degrees from everything that I stand for in my beliefs, in the gospel, and in really the way that I view marriage and, and life in general. But we're friends. Well, how how can that be? Well, I do everything I can to show him love, to show him that I support him and that I pray for him. Now, when I say support him, like I mean like I I I want good things for him. Yeah, he he knows I don't support his lifestyle decisions. Right, but I want I want good things for him. But one thing I do, no matter how the workout is, no matter how the discussion is, because sometimes the discussion is just like, "How's your day? Cool. How's your day? Cool. How's your week been?" And it's really surface level, and we don't get into anything crazy. And then other days, it's like, "How do you feel about abortion?" Mm. Right, like we get into that. And we're, we're polar opposites no matter what, every time he leaves, I look right at him and I go, Hey, Jesus loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. Mm. And usually he just goes, okay. Or yeah, "Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. You know? So do I sever the relationship and say, you're, you're not good to be around. You're a sinner. Well, no, because guess who else is a sinner? me. But sometimes we only have grace for people that sin like we do. Right. Sometimes we'll only have grace for people that can hide their sin and do the mm-hmm. whole cosmetic Christianity thing. But I digress. Oof. So then I've done what I can to be a friend, but I'm also not going to be around him when he is doing things that wouldn't align with how I view life. Yep. So the The question of how how can I love somebody, encourage somebody, be a friend with somebody? but you know, what if what if they're a what you know, what if they're a homosexual? Okay, well, what if you're a liar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like we all have different struggles. We all have sins. We all have things that we deal with. and we're all um we always lean towards towards something, right? yeah, and and that's part of our deficiency, but it's the support of saying, hey, I believe this. And so because I believe this, you know, you know, I don't like commend your lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. I don't agree with your lifestyle. You know, that I think that you acting out on your lifestyle is, is a sin. Yeah. But even with all of that, I love you mm. yep. and I want nothing but the best for you. And I'm here anytime you need me. And, and even with all of that, even with all of our disagreements, I pray for you all the mm. time even with all of our disagreements, I think about you so often because I want you to experience what I've experienced. And so even if you're not ready for it, even if you're not there yet, even if what I'm saying, you're like, oh, just shut up. That's fine. It's okay. But man, Jesus loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And if you can get to that place where you and your friend can go, man, we just don't see eye to eye, but man, I love you and i'm i'm just you know i want what's best for you and and um if there's anything i can ever do for you let me know if you can get to that place that right there is jesus man yeah like that is that is it and and so what you trust is you trust in the power of the holy spirit you trust and and believe and pray like i do that one day someone will go jesus would you just reveal yourself to me Mm-hmm. Jesus, would you make yourself? Would you allow me to know you? You, you just you pray for that moment that they would just surrender, and yeah. then you trust in the right. Holy Spirit to uh, bring correction and bring discernment, and and you recognize that that's not your job, right? You know, the, it's a great question, but recognize it's not your job to call out the sin in another person and say, ah, you're, you know, bad and I'm good. What, what your job is, is to go, Hey, even, even though we disagree. And even though, obviously, you know, you're not doing what, what I would do, man, like I love you and Jesus loves you. And one day I think, I think you're going to see that too. So that, I think that's the place we're striving to get to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can't add
1: to that. That was perfect. So
0: (laughs) awesome. you can can tell you've been asked many times because you.
1: Well, and and I'm so passionate about it because man, we have an unbelieving world. That's just watching Christians fight about secondary issues. You know, we don't, we don't fight about Jesus. We love Jesus, but, but what we fight about is, well, what Jesus called us into. And then we go, well, you know, Jesus said this and Jesus said that. It's like, you know, dude, nobody's perfect. So you gotta, you gotta, you know, be humble and uh, I think ultimately what what heals uh, the tension in those relationships is that love and and is saying, "I love you through disagreement." So right, yeah, I've been asked a lot. I think that's where our world is,
0: and it's not that there will never be like boundaries or things you have to draw the line in the sand for, but it's a big right. difference between saying, like I won't go endorse that homosexual wedding versus right. I just won't talk to you because oh, yeah, you know, that's it's, the it, bad part. It's a, That's a yeah. huge chasm between the two. And so often we jump to the fact that don't have anything to do with them versus the fact which, you know, your answer ex- explained beautifully is is loving them and they know where you stand. But at the same time, they know they're loved. And that's the yeah. part, you know,
1: and culture wants you to pick a side. Culture wants you to draw the line in the sand. Culture either wants you to be a church that puts a rainbow flag out in front of your church or that doesn't. And if you do, you love LGBTQ. And if you don't, you must hate them. And it's such crap, dude. Yeah. It's just such crap. And, and so people are going to know how you love them by your personal actions way more than a flag and gosh, way more than your profile picture background. Mm. I've had enough. I've had enough of this whole, like as long as I put up a Ukraine flag, everybody knows how I feel. It's like, dude, you couldn't like just, sh- oh, it, that's a <laughs> whole nother thing. We could, uh, I could talk for hours on that. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: that's the end of our listener questions and we're doing a final question. It's going to be a quick one. I have a question for Drew, and he has one for me. And All right. We not How, what order do you want to do? Yeah. We've what what order do you want to go? So I'll, I'll, I'll throw it your way first. All right. Go. All right. Pastor to pastor, what's your biggest struggle? You can only pick one, being a pastor, Ooh. and then your greatest reward that you see of being a pastor. Right.
1: Greatest reward, 100%, is watching people step into something that they were uncomfortable with. And seeing them have a level of success. Mm. Yep. Knowing the knowing the struggle of stepping into something that either I or or another leader or God called them into, and seeing the anxiety and seeing the worry and seeing the doubt and seeing the I don't know if I'm gonna be good at this. And then watching them just like blossom mm-hmm. and thrive. Mm-hmm. That is everything I live for. And to this day, the relationships I have with even people like you, the relationships I have with people across the world that are stepping out on faith and doing things that they never thought they would do, but I've maybe played a small part in in supporting them or encouraging them or saying, you'd be great at this and calling them into it overall and then seeing them succeed it's like uh you know it's like that fatherly i don't know it gives you all the feels man and you just you you just you're so proud and and then you recognize uh that that they're gonna be like so much better than than i am Mm -hmm. and i love that because i hope that um i hope when we talk about legacy and things like that earlier with david and stuff like that i hope that one day, my legacy is I left a bunch of leaders that are so much better than me.
0: Yeah,
1: and I think that would be uh, I think that would be really cool. now the the struggle, the struggle for me, and I'll say right now, because this is just kind of what came to the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. the struggle for me right now is people underestimating the amount that I care people underestimating the amount of time i've prepped and prepared uh for a situation or even a conversation
0: mm.
1: and and so people not knowing the behind the scenes effort time stress uh heartache empathy uh tears people not knowing that and then jumping to conclusions and i'll be honest one of the things that that I'm learning about me. And I've told you this before, because I sometimes can come across intense and because I speak loud and because I speak with a lot of expression, uh, I can come across either overly confident or I can come across as if like, I think I know everything or I can, um, or I can come across as if like, I don't care, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And I, and I, I, I really do. Recognize that and try to like think about the environments I'm in and have some awareness. But at the same time, this is who I am, man. Like Mm -hmm. even before we got on the podcast, you were telling me stories about things, and I'm excited. Like you told me about a cruise ship that you know was on TikTok and all this stuff, and I hadn't heard. (laughs) And I'm looking at pictures, and I'm like, you know, yelling about it. This is this is who I am. I'm a passionate person about you know about a lot of things. Yeah. Um. And I think sometimes that that works against me, and people jump to assumptions and don't recognize that uh that I really do spend so much time praying for our congregation praying for people praying specifically for our ministry and asking God for strength and discernment and in, in how to approach things and and I think um if that was known or maybe if the best was assumed sometimes um I think it would make it easier on on everybody so love that yeah that's that's just that's kind of where I'm at here. here, Here's my question to you. What is something that God is calling you into that you haven't said yes to yet because it's uncomfortable? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one.
0: (laughs) Well, that, uh, that's something for sure. So so for me, you know, I'm kind of the, the opposite in a lot of ways when I think about, you know, personalities and uh, we've taken our temperament tests. And so I'm I'm more like the reserved think before you speak, be very calculated in the response and not one mm-hmm. for big displays of emotions because I think emotions are often just, I, I look at people that are emotional. And I'm just like, well, come on, t- tone down a little bit, right? So I can right. be judgmental. That's why me for, and you are such a good partnership <laughs> or right? the
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> so for me, like for God's actually calling me for, to, to step out of my comfort zone in that level where normally I will just maybe not do something because it's uncomfortable, whether it's walking up to somebody at church and praying for them that God leads on, puts on my heart, or mm-hmm. we're, we're changing up our service a little bit too, where at the end, we're doing more of a time for response. We've actually gone down to two services instead of three, right. not as a sign that we're shrinking, but as a sign that we want to build A community of people that know who who's coming to church. First of all, because the first service never sees the third service, and second of all, we want a little bit longer service so that it's not just okay. Sermon's over, let's rush out of here. Absolutely, it's a mentality where okay, you've heard the word of God that's information. That information now brings revelation to your situation because things are revealed in your life that you didn't know before. And now with that revelation should come transformation. And when that transformation comes, it's through the Holy Spirit. It's you taking time to actually assess what's happening, what God is prompting for you. And you can't do that when you hear the word and you rush out to lunch. And so there's this culture where that happens. And so I'm really looking forward to, okay, let's take time because you you say you'll do it later. Not going to happen. We're here right. now. Let's take the time that God's given us to pray for each other, to seek God, and to be able to move how he's leading us. Even if it's 15 minutes, let's take that time. Yeah. And yeah. so for me personally, the, the, those moments, which is going to be coming up here at the time of this recording, Sunday, if I lead a closing like that, it's going to be stepping out of my comfort zone, calling out if if the Holy Spirit's prompting something to come up for yeah. a healing, to come up for yeah. a certain word, that's going to be something that God's pushing me towards. And I feel that I feel that push. I, I hear it. And it's something that in the moment I'm just praying, God. Give me the strength because I can't come into a situation like that all planned out. I have it all written out right, exactly how it's going right. to go. I sure. need in the moment to hear you, Lord. And I pray that when I do hear you, that I would be obedient to act.
1: So. I love that. I love that. That's a great answer. It's a great answer. And I, I can't wait to watch, you know, I can't <laughs> wait to watch your online services and see you see you step into it. So sometimes our yes is uncomfortable, but if God's calling you to it. Yeah. He's got you. So that's awesome. Amen. Good for you. Well, thank you everyone
0: for joining us. It was a little longer episode. Let us know if you liked it, this lightning round type of thing. We can do it again in the future and keep the questions coming. Join the Facebook community group, Eyes on Jesus podcast community. You can get it in the show notes. You can connect with us in the show notes as well. And until next week, go with God, grow in discernment and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thanks for joining us on the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Drew and Tim. Don't forget to hit subscribe. If this episode blessed you, please share it with a friend. Check out the show notes for more ways to connect with the hosts of the show.